Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Matthew chapter 16, we're going to be reading from verse number 13. Bible says when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, and one or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell, Hades, shall not prevail against it. And I give you, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that it was Jesus the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. May the Lord bless the reading of his words in Jesus' name. Now, from this verse of the scripture, before we go very deeply, I want you to just notice seven things that I want to bring to your attention. The first thing I want to bring to your attention is that we see here, our Lord is asking his disciples a very, very probing question. He said, who do men say I am? And then when they were giving him conflicting answers, he now asked them, who do you say I am? It is not important what people are saying about the Lord Jesus Christ. What is most important is what you are saying about the Lord Jesus Christ. The second thing that we find in the, from the verse of the scripture that we read is that we see Peter through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit identifying Christ as the expected Messiah. You are the Christ the son of the living God. Number three, we see after Peter's inspired response, Jesus acknowledged that Peter's response was divinely inspired and that the understanding of what Peter has just said, the understanding of the divine response that Peter has just given will form the basis for the establishment of the church. The Bible says, and I say unto you, you are Peter and on this rock, in other words, on this particular revelation that I am the son of God, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. In other words, the church will be built on the revelation and the understanding that Jesus is the Son of God. The fourth thing that I want you to notice from that verse of the scripture that we read is that we saw that after the declaration of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the church will be built on the basis of the revelation of the word of God to them, Jesus is now saying, on the basis of that revelation, 
that he, Jesus, was the son of the living God, he said on that particular basis, the church will now have the keys for accessing the treasures of heaven. He said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In other words, as long as the church understands that Christ is the Son of God, as long as the church understands that particular revelation, and the church is built upon that revelation, the church will now begin to have access to the treasures of heaven, whereby whatever they bind on earth will be bound in heaven, or whatever they lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Number five thing I want you to notice from this verse of the scriptures that when Jesus told his disciples of how to access the kingdom of God, the Bible said that Jesus was now telling them that the access to the kingdom of God that I'm telling you about, the access can only come through the road of the cross. The Bible says that from verse number 21, it says from that time Jesus began to show his disciples how he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests, and the scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. In other words, he's saying, for the church to have the power to bind and to lose, for the church to have the keys to the kingdom of heaven, for the church to be built upon the solid ground, I, the one who is the life and the truth, must first of all go through the road of the cross for that particular thing to happen. The Bible now tells us, if you look at the 16, that I want you to notice that immediately Jesus Christ revealed the path to securing the glory, revealed the path to securing the keys to the kingdom. The Bible makes us understand that Satan, through Peter, mounted a disguised opposition to the plan and the purpose of God for salvation. He started to counter the path of Jesus Christ to the cross. The Bible said, then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this will not happen to you. In other words, that thing that God has designed to cause the salvation of man, Satan's intention is that this is not going to happen. And Satan began to speak through Peter. And finally, Jesus Christ immediately recognized the voice of Satan speaking through Peter, rebuked that particular voice and put him behind me. Those are the seven things that I wanted you to notice. These are basically what is going on in the verse, in the passage of scripture that we've read. But that's not where we're going this morning. I want to draw your attention to verse number 21 of that, of the, of the passage of scripture that we've read. Verse number 21 tells us, he said, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. And suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. And be killed and be raised on the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, Far be it from you, Lord, it shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. Now, if you casually read through that verse of the scripture and you don't pay a, a, a detailed attention, you might begin to think, that Peter was rebuking Jesus because Peter was concerned for the welfare of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus just told him, I'm going to suffer. The, president, the, the, the leaders in Jerusalem are going to do X, Y, and Z to me. And because, you know, for, for a casual reader of the scripture, you would think that Peter was concerned for the welfare of our Lord Jesus Christ. That was why he was rebuking him. You may even assume that because Peter loved his master so much, he was looking out for Jesus and he did not want him to die. So he was saying, hey, that's not going to happen. That's not why you are here. You are here to be able to set up the kingdom. So you are not going to die now. That might be the impression that you will get from that verse of the scripture. Or you might say that Peter wanted to preserve the fellowship that they've had. As such, he didn't want Jesus to leave prematurely. His intention was that, hey, you are going to live to be old age and you are going to establish the kingdom and everybody will be fine. He wanted to preserve their fellowship. That might be your thoughts. But if you look closely at the response of our Lord Jesus Christ after Peter was rebuked, 
But you'll begin to see that there's something else that was going on in that verse of the scripture. Let's go to verse number 22 of Matthew chapter 16. The Bible says, Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. Now I want you to notice what happened, the response of our Lord Jesus Christ in verse number 23. The Bible says, But he turned, that Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of man. I want you to please note that here, it was Peter who was rebuking the Lord Jesus Christ. It was Peter that called Jesus Christ to the side. It was Peter who was telling him that these things will not happen. But when Jesus Christ responded, the Bible said that he turned to Peter, who he was seeing physically, and said, get there behind me, Satan. Interesting response. The question is why? Why was our Lord rebuking Satan, addressing Satan, when he was speaking directly to Peter? Why? Why was Christ rebuking Satan when Peter was the one that was physically talking to him? Let me suggest to you that the Lord Jesus Christ rebuked Satan because Jesus knew that Satan was speaking through Peter and taking advantage of Peter's weakness. Peter had this relationship with the Almighty God. Satan considered that to be a weakness. And Satan now used that opportunity to be able to advance his own agenda. And that tells us regardless of who is speaking to you, regardless of the kind of revelation that might have come out of the mouth of that of, a, of an individual. Peter was the one that received the revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that same Peter became a vessel that the enemy used. So the Lord Jesus Christ rebuked Peter because he understood that Satan was speaking through Peter and taking advantage of his weakness. The Lord Jesus Christ rebuked Peter because Jesus knew that Satan was actively erecting a stumbling block on the path to Calvary. The Bible said in verse number 23, he turned and said to Peter, get thee behind me because you are an offense to me. Jesus Christ recognized that yes, Peter was standing, but there was a power that was operating behind Peter who was trying to act as an offense. So Jesus recognized, Jesus recognized that Satan was acting as a stumbling block. That was why he rebuked him. Number three, Jesus rebuked Satan because Jesus knew that Satan was actively opposing the plan of salvation that he has just unveiled to his disciples. The Bible says that he turned and he said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. In other words, Jesus rebuked Satan because Jesus knew that Satan was using Peter as a means to oppose God's plan and purpose for the salvation of mankind. That was why he was addressing Satan directly while still speaking to Peter. I want you to look at this, look at this from this point of view. You will understand that Jesus was explaining the road, the road to Calvary to his disciples. He was saying that he was going to go to Jerusalem and he was going to suffer. He was going to have, you know, he was going to be killed and he was going to rise up the third day. And the Bible makes us to understand that Satan was now trying to obstruct that particular plan through the mouth of Peter. The question is, why would Satan be opposed to the suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ? Why? You will think that Satan should be happy. Jesus is about to be killed. He's about to suffer. The leaders in Jerusalem were about to mess him up. You would think that Satan would be happy. But at this point in time, Satan was trying to oppose that particular plan. And the question is why? Why was Satan opposing Christ's suffering? Why was he trying to prevent him from getting to Jerusalem? As we celebrate the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ during this particular season, we are going to try to explore this particular question. 
we are going to spend some time looking at the mystery and the power of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are going to be looking at the need for that particular cross. We are going to be looking at the path of our Lord Jesus Christ to the cross. We are going to be looking at the, the, the power that is inherent in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ and the blessings that is em- embedded in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we are going to be doing this because, number one, the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ is the focal point of our faith. Everything in Christianity revolves around the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, we are doing it because without the cross, there is no Christianity. Without the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, there is no Christianity. And that's why Paul the Apostle was saying in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, reading from verse number 14, Paul the Apostle was writing to the Corinthian church and he said, If Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. And your faith is also empty. Paul went on in verse number 17. He said, if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. So if you go around saying that Jesus Christ has forgiven you of my sin, and Jesus Christ is not raised up from the dead, you are just deluding yourself. And Paul now, now rested his case most forcefully to declare the power of the cross and the power of his resurrection. Paul the apostle said in verse number 19, he said, if in this life only, we have hope in Christ. We are for men most pitiable. In other words, if our faith does not transcend life, if our faith does not go beyond the grave, then what is the essence of being a Christian? Then you have missed all the opportunity to chop life, you know, to go to all the clubs and all the other things and enjoy all the things that everybody is enjoying. If your faith does not go beyond this particular, does not go beyond this life, Paul is saying that you are a pitiable person, you are a miserable person. Because you have succeeded in not enjoying your life the way other people define life. That tells us that the cross, Paul is basically saying that without the cross, there is no Christianity. Without the cross, you have no faith. And because the cross is what leads to the death of our Lord Jesus Christ and that led to the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is why the cross is central. So as believers, we must understand that the season that we are in right now, the Easter season, is not just another holiday. Easter is not just another time where you don't have anything better to do than to go and shop and just enjoy the festivity and, and commercialize uh, the Christianity. Easter is not just another it's not just another holiday. Easter is the most important season in the Christian calendar. For some reason, our society and our world have paid very, very little attention to Easter. The world will rather celebrate the festivities of Christmas. Than rather than, than to face the reality of Easter. The world will rather celebrate the harmless baby at Christmas than to face the reality of the crucified and the resurrected Christ at Easter. So the question is why? Why is the world more interested in frivolities instead of the reality of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ? Why is it that Easter is ignored by the world and even in the church? Why are people less interested in Easter? Let me suggest to you that Easter is ignored by the world because Easter reminds and refocuses the attention of the world to the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Outside of this particular corona business that was going on right now, this is the season where people release all sorts of crazy movies. This is when they discover the bone of Jesus. This is when they discover the tomb of Jesus. This is when they remember there is a shroud of Turin. They come up with all sorts of things just to be able to distract people 
from the essence of the Easter season. So the Easter season, the, way, the reason the whole world is always trying to ignore Easter, trying to debunk Easter, or trying to demean those who celebrate Easter. The reason the world does that is because Easter reminds and refocuses the attention of the world to the cross of our Lord Jesus now. Now, if Christ is preached, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12, he said, now if Christ is preached, that he has risen from the dead, how do some of, among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? In other words, there are people who are trying to tell us that, that Easter is irrelevant. Easter is just a myth. But one thing they fail to understand is that as long as you celebrate Easter, you are reminding the world and refocusing the attention of the world to the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, the world ignores Easter because Easter reminds us of the reality of the resurrection. The reality of the resurrection. They do not want to believe in the resurrection, but every time Easter comes around, they are reminded that there was a man that lived over 2,000 years ago. He declared that he was going to die and raise up on the third day, and that is exactly what happened. The world ignores Easter because it reminds them of the reality of resurrection. Number three, the world ignores Easter because it reminds them of the truth of the claim that Jesus Christ made. Jesus Christ said he was the son of God. He said he was going to die and was going to raise again. And the Easter reminds us that every claim that Jesus Christ made came true. And that's why the Bible says that if Jesus Christ fulfilled every claim that he made, it means that the world can no longer ignore him. The world tries to ignore Easter number four because Easter reminds us there is no more excuse for remaining in their sin. The price of sin has been paid. There is no more need for us to continue to sin because the lamb has been offered. The perfect sacrifice has been offered on that cross of Calvary. So there is no more excuse for a man to remain in sin. The world tried to ignore Easter because Easter reminds us of the reality of the final accounting. In other words, Easter is telling us and is reminding us that whether you like it or not, a day will come that you are going to give account of your stewardship here on earth. You are going to account in the presence of the almighty God. How you lived your life. But most importantly. The world is not excited about Easter. Because it reminds the host of hell. That our Lord Jesus Christ won the victory over sin. Over Satan and over death. At the cross of Calvary. That is why the world is not interested in it. They can celebrate the baby in the manger. Yeah the baby is a harmless baby. When you celebrate Easter. You are acknowledging that Jesus Christ won the victory. You are acknowledging that sin is no, there's no longer excuse for sin. You are acknowledging that there's a resurrection. You are acknowledging that every claim that Jesus Christ made, those claims were true. That's what they acknowledged. And the world does not want to acknowledge it. That is why the world, in all its power, tries to ignore Easter. In other words, Easter reminds the world of the mystery and the power of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ at Calvary. The question then is, what is this mystery of the cross? What is this power of the cross? And why is the cross important to our faith? What is the mystery of the cross and why is it important? Jesus himself summed up the mystery of the cross in the book of John chapter 12. John chapter 12, reading from verse number 24. The Bible tells us, it says, Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. In other words, life comes out of death. 
Life comes out of death. That's how the Lord Jesus Christ summarized the cross. And all through his life and ministry, our Lord Jesus Christ did everything possible to explain this concept to the people that he ministered to. He tried to explain the mystery of the cross, but for some reason, people that he was ministering to, and even people in our contemporary time, they still find it very difficult to understand. I mean, how do you explain to the natural mind that the victory comes through apparent defeats? Because the world saw Jesus' death on the cross of Calvary as a defeat. How do you explain to the carnal mind, how do you explain to the natural mind that freedom comes through surrender? Because Jesus Christ surrendered himself to the will of the Father. How do you explain to the natural mind that life comes through death? It just doesn't make sense. So many of them fail to grasp the mystery of the cross because to them it is foolishness. The Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18. It says, for the preaching of the cross is to them that are perishing foolishness. In other words, they just could not understand what the cross represented because to them it was foolishness. How can you say by dying you are going to save the world? It was offensive to many of them because the Bible tells us in the book of 1 Peter chapter 2. He said, and a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, even to them that stumble at the word. Being disobedient, whereunto they were also appointed. In other words, the word of God, that cross of our Lord Jesus Christ was so offensive to them. They felt that, how can you tell me that a person can go, die on the cross, and redeem the whole world? It was offensive to their sensibility, offensive to their learning, that they were not willing to even entertain it. Many failed to grasp the mystery of the cross because of its simplicity. It is too simple for them, they thought it was too easy. The Bible tells us in first, second Corinthians chapter 11. Verse number 3, he said, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through subtility, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Jesus died for the sins of the world so that you and I can be reconnected back to the Almighty God. Very, very simple. But the world, the mind of the world, understands simplicity to mean ease. The death on the cross was not easy. The sacrifice of Christ on the cross was not easy. But it was a simple remedy that God made available for you and I to be reconnected back unto him. Many miss the mystery of the cross because of his simplicity. But for those who are able to understand the mystery of the cross, those who are able to get it, those who are able to be able to see where God is coming and what God is about to accomplish, those are the people who are able to enjoy the power and the benefit of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ in their life. And I can tell you there are many today who need the power and the benefit of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are many people who are seeking for the power and the benefit of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. But for some reason, those particular people are not able to connect with the power and the benefit of the cross because it has been elusive in their lives. But one thing I want you to understand this very morning, if you don't understand anything, is that to enjoy the power of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, to enjoy the benefits of the, of, the, of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, to understand the mystery of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, you must be able to see and understand the necessity of that particular cross in your life. To enjoy the power and to access that power, to enjoy the benefit of the cross, you must see the necessity of the cross in your life. In other words, you will not be able to access what the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ has to offer. 
you will not be able to benefit from the blessings and all the redemptive work that the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished for us on the cross of Calvary if you do not see, if you cannot understand why the cross is necessary in your life. And the question this morning is, why is the cross necessary? Why is it necessary in your life? Why is it necessary in my life? Number one, the cross is necessary because it reveals the devastating nature and the effect of sin. The Bible tells in the book of Ezekiel chapter 18 verse 4. He said, Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so is the soul of the Son is mine. And the soul that sin, it shall die. That is the nature and the effect of sin. When you understand the nature and the effect of sin, you will understand the need for the cross. Number two, we need the cross because of the fallen and the depraved nature of man. Bible makes us understand that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. All have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. That is the word of God. Because man has fallen. Because man was born in sin. David said, I was shaped in iniquity in sin, but did my mother conceive me? We are all sinners. And because of that, that is why we need the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And unless you understand that, you cannot benefit from it. Unless you understand the fallen nature of man, unless you understand that you are a depraved soul outside of Christ, you will not see the need for the cross. And that's if you don't see the need for the cross, you will not benefit from it. Number three, why do we need the cross? We need the cross because of the, the nature and the wrath of a holy God. Bible makes us to understand that thou art of a pure heart. Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 13. Thou art of a pure heart that, uh, than to behold iniquity. The Bible says the Lord is angry with sinner every day. Because of the nature of God that is holy. Because of the anger of God towards sin. That is why we need the cross. We need the cross also because of God's divine justice and righteousness must be satisfied. Bible makes us to understand. In Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22. It said, and almost all things are by law purged with blood. And without the shedding of the blood, there is no remission of sin. In other words, we need the blood, we need the cross because of the divine justice of the Almighty God. We need the cross because of the righteousness of God. We need the, we need the cross because these things must be satisfied. For God to be able to draw near back to man and for man to be reconciled back unto God, sin must be judged. And if sin is going to be judged, none of us will be able to stand before him. And that is why Jesus Christ offered himself as a sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. And that is the only acceptable sacrifice to the Almighty God. In other words, the cross is the only solution for sin. That is why the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ is important. God in his mercy made a way out for us who are sinners on the cross. And that's why the cross is important. Number five, we need the cross. Because on that particular cross, the perfect sacrifice for sin was offered. That is why you need the cross. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 4. It said, it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. And then in Isaiah 53 verse 10, it says, it pleases the Lord to bruise him. He has put him in grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. The cross is important because upon that cross was the perfect sacrifice offered. And when the sacrifice of Christ made, the judgment of God was satisfied. So if you want to access the power and enjoy the benefit of the cross, you must understand why you need the cross and why the cross is important to you. The question is, why is the cross important to you? The cross is important to you because God's judgment for sin 
was satisfied. Outside of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, there's no remedy for sin outside of the cross of Christ. Number two, the cross is important because only at the cross of Jesus was eternal judgment rendered for sin once and for all. The Bible makes us to understand that Jesus Christ made a way for sin to be judged once and for all. That means there is no continuous sacrifice for sin every time again. Jesus died once and that was the end of the sacrifice for sin. Number three, the cross is important to you, it's important to me, because only at the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ are we reconciled back to God. And that is why there is no other way whereby men will be saved except by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that happened on the cross of Calvary. Number four, the cross is important to you. The apostle cross is important to me because only on the cross of Jesus Christ was Satan and the host of hell defeated forever. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.